broadcasting from New York City, where the weather's so nice, there's no way a mutant wasn't involved. It's Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is Matt. And this is Brett. Uh, for real, I'm seriously excited that it doesn't feel like the eternal winter is going to be eternal. Yeah. It's just perfect walking to Target every day to check and see if there's a Black Widow action figure weather. That sounds personal. It sounds like what I did all last week. It sounds like you did that a lot. So you've been you've been looking out for this Black Widow. You're talking about the what the six inch scale? Yeah, because they've never made they didn't make a six inch scale for Avengers. Yeah. Of course, the six inch scale line for Avengers was only available at Walmart's because of who knows why. Uh, corporate sponsorships. Yeah. Talking about back alley deals. I bet all those. I bet all those deals happen in a back alley. Yeah. Oh, gross. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's eight a.m. For one thing. It is. Let's, let's put this in context. <laughs> it's a. Uh, this is this is a morning broadcast, which uh, I kind of I, I kind of like this. I'm not gonna lie. I'm eating cereal, so that's apologies up front. Wait, are you already apologizing? For eating cereal. I am. Because I don't, you know... Is it good radio? Uh, (laughs) As you're, like, stabbing the bottom of your bowl. Does this make for good radio? Are you not entertained? Wait, who are your morning DJs? Like, in high school... Oh, great question. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, and the end-all, be-all for me was uh, Scott Paulson and Jim Crenn on WDVE in Pittsburgh. I love those guys. And in fact, they still sort of shape some of the uh, comedy that I do today. So you liked Uh, your morning guys. I did. They They were really smart and had a lot of good character work when I was in high school. Uh, they, in fact, were... Do you remember... Was it Action Team Now on SNCC? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did all the voices for Action Team Now. Oh, wait, okay. Yeah. They were they were a really great crew. Man. They were my... They were my morning... They were my morning DJ guys. Uh, what about you? Well, we had... In fifth grade, and... Middle Tennessee, so Nashville. Um, Y107 had Proud Mary in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we liked Mary. I don't remember anything about her. <laughs> so her, 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 she went by Proud Mary. Like, this is a conscious choice that this is going to be my name. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what... Yeah. And then she got replaced by Woody and Jim. And I did not like Woody and Jim. Okay. Just because I think they were, um, and you know, sorry Woody or Jim if you're listening. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, they they were more like they were more of the just to me from what I remember unimaginative dudes just oh boy you know just doing whatever in the morning. Then there was Bob and Tom on I think oh, Bob and Tom in the mornings yeah I think they were on one o two nine the buzz. Yeah, they're a nationally syndicated uh, crew. But um, I ended up working with Woody's son at the movie theater like 10 years later. Oh, really? And I never told him that I did not like his dad's show. (laughs) I think it's better that you didn't. They might still be the... Like, they... 
they put them on 107 and they were there for real. They might still be there. So Wow. There might be loyal Woody and Jim followers in Nashville, Tennessee that are now anti us. That's possible. But I'm taking a firm stance. I didn't like them when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so we're we're doing this with as much aplomb as they did. That's uh, that's the Lady Gaga song, right? I live for the aplomb. I don't even really know. I feel like I just use that using context clues. I don't really know what that word means. <laughs> Isn't that it? fair? Like skill? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, aplomb. Uh huh. I like it. Nom 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 nom. nom. Oh boy. So uh, so so, how's the week been? Well, I got a lot of exercise walking to Targets and Toys R Uses. Sure, sure. So you're on a mission. You're on a mission to complete the movie Avengers team. Well, I don't. She'll be the only six inch, six inch fig I have of the movie team. I just want like I'm more like trying to collect my Black Widows because I have a mini mate of the movie version. Then I have the three and three quarter inch of the movie version, and then I have the hot toy, and I need something between, you know, twelve inches and three and three quarter inches. Uh, okay. I need I yeah, need the I six I, I need the that. six inch figure. Yeah. Um, I need I, I need it. That's the thing. Because <laughs> I found my so you, I found my boomerang. I found boomerang at the Toys R Us in Times Square. Right. Superior foes Thunderbolts boomerang. Which is a great costume. Yeah, Declan uh, redesigned it. He did a great job. I love that costume. Uh, I think Declan did. Declan do the redesign on the Moon Knight superhero outfit as well. Yeah, I think so. I think he did all of it. It's amazing. Yeah, that's a book you like. I like it too. Oh man, I'm so into that book right now. <laughs> it feels like a Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis is good at doing good standalone issues. Yeah, I, I'd seen a bunch of criticism that people were upset about. Not a bunch of people, but people were disappointed that the second issue was uh, just a done in one tale. But I think that there's a bigger game at play. I think that, and this is just based on nothing, but the fact that we've seen Moon Knight twice and he's been dressed completely differently each time. Oh, yeah. It's been a different type of story each time. I think that part of this take is going to be that whichever is the dominant personality is going to dictate what he looks like, I think we still are going to see another look for Moon Knight in issue three. Yeah. And there's, another there's like... one in issue four. Until we get through all of them, I think we're going to see a bunch of setup issues, and then we'll launch into stories. Oh, that's great. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even I think of... For some reason, that's the most obvious thing that I didn't think of. Because, of course, you have multiple costumes for his multiple personalities. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because even the way that he interacted, what I liked, too, about the storytelling in the first two issues, if you notice, we're in his head in the first issue. We get we get to hear his thoughts when he shows up, and he even speaks to himself out loud as he's, uh, you know, going into the sewers underneath the city to, to hunt for this rogue shield agent. This time, we are completely outside of him. Yeah. We're only watching him react like they almost make it they almost go out of their way to show you how silent this fight is yeah uh and i like that i think that we're going to have various levels of trustworthiness with the narrator with moon knight which is how it should be i like that yeah i agree i'm on board 
Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I wonder if they'll make an action figure of that Moon Knight soon, of, of suited Moon Knight. I like that. It would be nice if they did, right? I could imagine they will. The Marvel Legends line gets kind of um, esoteric, kind of uh-huh. deep, deep cut yeah. sometimes. Deep cutty. Because they're making for the uh, new uh, Marvel Infinite line, they're having um, Red She-Hulk and uh, Grim Reaper and Hyperion. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to buy any of them. I'll buy Red She-Hulk. I won't buy the other two, though. I don't really buy villains oh. that much. And also, I don't care about Hyperion. So, personal attack against Hyperion. <laughs> yeah, you're not a big... Uh... You're not a big supporter of those characters, huh? No. I mean, Grim Reaper killed Rogue. I'm going to use killed in quotation marks because it's comic books. Right. Um, so, I don't like Grim Reaper. i tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, what's going on in your week? Oh, you know, same old stuff. I, uh, I've been falling behind... On a lot of the books that I follow, but I've been discovering a lot of new, really good stuff lately. Um, it's too much. I, uh, I, I read uh, Lumberjanes number one this past week. I wanted to read that. I love it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, it looked fun. I just need yeah, to... it's it's really fun, and it's it's silly. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's. It's got a great voice to it. It's silly, uh, and it's enjoyable. It really feels like a pitch for a really good cartoon. That's great. I love that, and I, uh, I absolutely loved, uh, I think, a home run of a book last week was Flash Gordon number one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I made a point to, I made a point to read that. Yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. I picked it to review for CBR uh, based Augie had said in an email thread that it was solid and that it was worth reviewing and I didn't know what I was going to pick so I said yes that and then I read it and I was completely blown away by how good it was yeah I know Jack about Flash Gordon I know yeah. I know Queen has been involved yeah there Flash were no Gordon. princes of the universe in this one I know that is that the here we are? Is that yeah. a, that's Flash Gordon? Yes. I, I, it's that and also New York Improv Team Death by Ruru. Right. Um, the thing that I... This is a thing that I don't know. Again, always getting into my weird taste in men in every episode of podcast. But... <laughs> uh, tell me you're not into Emperor Mings. Yeah, I like uh, Zarko. Zarko? Yeah. One of the Doctor? I like, oh, Zarko, Dr. Zarko? Evan Shaner and Chris Somney, for some reason, some reason, are able to draw in comic book form like the exact type of man that I like in real life. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I don't know, I mean, it's like, I don't, they're like the J. Scott Campbell for me. Uh, <laughs> they're like the Jim Ballard for me. Oh, I love that. Um, That's really funny. Yeah. So I, I was oh yeah. No, they just draw like really classically handsome men. Yeah. Like they're not, and they're also 
a varying body type, so they're not all like roided out monsters. <laughs> True. Um, and they have very friendly faces. Did you read um, Evan Shaner's and Ron Mars's Adventures of Superman three parter with Matt I Wilson? I did not, and I've heard really great things about yeah, it. Yeah, Matt Wilson on colors. It was amazing. Uh, Evan's a great guy, fantastic artist, and it's really awesome to see him getting like a regular book. Well, that actually all three of those guys there, uh, Ron Mars, Evan, and Matt Wilson, it's all good guys. Yeah. So I recommend that. I'm excited yeah. to see where Flash Gordon goes because I know nothing about it. So it's very much an open book. Or very much a, I don't know. You know what's interesting to me is in the credits, uh, Nate Cosby is listed as packaged by and edited by. Uh, and I'm curious as to see what, like, that's obviously a, a back end credit but i'm wondering what they meant by packaged like did he bring everyone together yeah i think he did pitched dynamite as like this is the team that should do flash gordon i think that's what i heard i think so wow um, i mean cosby's a really good friend with evan shaner they were am here at buddy cops which is like the funniest book that came out i guess last year i guess it came out yeah like yeah now, like, Buddy Cops has a one-shot, and it's written by Nate Cosby and drawn by Evan Shaner, and it was the... F- I was, like, laughing out loud. So funny. And it's just a Buddy Cop book between, like, a Woody from Quantum Woody-esque human cop and a straight-laced robot cop. And it's just, <laughs> it's just insane. And it was... <laughs> it was really funny. So yeah. I, I imagine that Nate, you know, helped, like, hooked Evan up. That's great. Rightfully so. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I think that there isn't enough credit to editors in terms of bringing together groups and making sure that they, uh, that they work together well. Yeah. Or that the quality of the book doesn't, like, I was thinking about it a lot, especially because I noticed that most of the Marvel books that I was reading, almost all of them came out of Stephen Wacker's office last year. Yeah. And that's not a coincidence. Like, there's no way that that's just a coincidence. It's a guy who understands how to get people to work together well. And I definitely think that there's a skill involved in that. And I yeah. think that it goes uncredited. I think that the only time an editor's name comes up in a conversation is when everyone's bitching about why a book's late or why there's some type of, I don't know, uh, plot hole I can sort of understand. Yeah. But what's, well, what's the other, oh, right, when like a character gets changed uh, and they don't like it, it's either the writer's fault or the editor's fault. And it's not always either of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, really, editor, like, they're more like producers. They're more like... Yeah. Like, it's more like your Stephen Wacker comic, Marvel comic was like your Judd Apatow produced movie. Yeah. Like, you know, like, the tone, you, he picked all the people, like, you know... Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is, like, a lot of the books that he that came out of his office were light, were fun, but like Moon Knight was developed in his office. Yeah. That's decidedly not. And I am 
working through Greg Rucka's Punisher run in the Marvel Unlimited app, and yeah. that is the exact opposite thereof. I need to read that. It's really good. I'm trying to give Punisher a shot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really great take. Uh, it's very violent, but I yeah I, I dig it. I've been meaning to ever since Alex Zalbin had mentioned it on our Flash episode. Yeah, and like I mean, the iFanboy guys love that run, and those are guys that also don't generally love Punisher, mm-hmm. and they love that Greg Rucka run. Yeah, Which, it, it's the the, the characterization is really good. It it feels like it feels like a crime book with a serial killer in the lead. Hmm. Like that's what it feels like. And you're and again, talk about a story that you're barely, if at all, in the head of the Punisher. Yeah, you're, he's just like a force of nature. Um, I don't know. Speaking of forces of nature. <laughs> I don't. That does nothing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, I was wanting to. I was gonna bring up that I've been rereading um, GI Joe. Yeah. I guess also like springboard springboarding off of like our conversation with Mike Quackenbush uh, last week, uh-huh. <laughs> um, where he talked where like you talked about talking to Larry Hama about writing for a large cast. I decided to go back and reread. The G.I. Joe comics from 1992 that I own, which were the first comics I ever bought. Now, where in the run is that? Uh, let me walk over to my wall. <laughs> uh, uh, making noises. Starts with number 119. Great. So, yeah, like, G.I. Joe number 119 was the first comic book I ever, I ever made my parents buy, which is uh, cover dated December 1991. One. So, mm-hmm. and then I read like I didn't I didn't realize that I read GI Joe solo for a year before ever even discovering the X Men. Uh, oh really? Which I have like sporadic issues, but it's fun like going back and reading all of them because it's like uh, like I was trying to figure out why did these weird issues of GI Joe not scare me away? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, like, Andrew Wildman is the artist, so, I mean, great. Like, I feel like Andrew Wildman doesn't get enough... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's not a great artist, but he's also a great artist. Yeah, he started... There, there was a lot of controversy about him. Oh, when? Oh, boy. So, in the early 90s, before he came over to G.I. Joe, he was the artist on Transformers. Mm. Right after uh, Jeff Sr., and people either loved him or hated him on that book because he drew most of the robots with basically human faces. Oh, wow. Uh, so they had a lot of, like, human expressions, except they had, like, a gold face or something. And uh, his body language and action looked great, but it was it was a different look if you're coming in expecting everyone to look like they're a robot it yeah. decidedly did not look like that so they were robots not in disguise really that's yeah <laughs> they were yeah. just like humans or, or, or they in were extreme disguise in extreme disguise they were dressed like humans yeah well i mean his uh gi joe artwork is incredibly you know kinetic and oh uh, yeah a lot of uh body language actually 
I mean, yeah. you know, your anatomy and your proportion, and there's no feet because it's all covered in dust. Of course. But um, I remember, like, you know, loving that art as a kid. Yeah, they're, um, I liked, I liked Andrew Wildman, and I liked when, uh, Stephen Baskerville would ink him. Yeah, he's the anchor on Joe. I thought that was a good team. This, <laughs> this is a really weird time for G.I. Joe comics, too, I'm noticing, because, see, I, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but, I mean, I was born in 1984, so I was born the year that G.I. Joe started, um, so by the time I was, like, six, the the Sunbow G.I. Joe episodes were being rerun constantly on USA. Yep. So those are the ones that I love, those original cartoons. But all of the toys based on those designs were all, like, uh, out of print. Not out of print. Um, discontinued. They were all discontinued because, you know, they've been around for so long. So I, I had to have, like, Tiger Strike and... Uh, Slaughter's Marauders versions of characters. Oh, yeah, all of the Ninja Force. Yeah, and so, like, the flint that I had was a Tiger Strike, and then I had that garish green Eco Force one. Yes. I got all the Deke cartoon versions, which were all crazy. And so, this uh, era of G.I. Joe comics is almost, is like a lot of the characters transitioning into their 90s clothes. And so there's actually a scene in, like, G.I. Joe, I don't know, 120-something, where Flint gets like, no, Flint, you gotta come to us back to the base. Get on this, get on the chopper now. And he gets the chopper, and a couple of the other Eco-Warrior characters are on there. And they're like, you're joining Eco-Force. He's like, oh, great, do I get a garish costume like you guys? Does he really say that? Yeah, yeah, he said, and it's like this green costume. Like, yeah, it's made from recycled action figures. So is what they so tell him. That was that was Larry Hama saying that. Yeah, it's really because um, <laughs> it's really funny. Larry Hama is just like making fun of uh, toys a lot. He does it again a couple other times. Like the headman becomes a bad guy. The you know, headman. He was the um, he was the drug That's, dealer. The drug mm, dealer. Okay. Um, and also cesspool becomes a big villain in these issues. Oh, yeah, because he was an Eco-Force villain, right? Yeah, and, and his whole thing is being, like, a, a hostile takeover Donald Trump CEO type. Uh-huh. And so he's, like, talking all these Wall Street lingo, and Zoran is just like, Cold blimey, you're being weird! Like, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty great. That's so funny. And I had no idea that... It made me think, like, you know, when you're writing a licensed property like G.I. Joe, like, this is the kind of stuff that you have to write about, like... Like, even Firefly, um, like, I guess Firefly, like, Fire, they kill Firefly in that big, uh, freighter full of dead Cobra. Uh, oh, right. But I guess they were, you know, they were releasing a new toy, um, his, his green jumpsuit with the gray accents and gray, like, baseball cap helmet. Yeah. So I guess, like, Larry Hama had to figure out a way to bring him back. So there's, like, a whole issue dedicated to explaining how he came back, and it ends with him, like, showing off his intimidating new costume. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, man, that's a fucking... You look, you look like a popsicle. <laughs> you look like a weird lime popsicle. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of stuff that happens whenever you're, you're working with other people's work, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, you have to deal with it. You, you've been hired... You've been hired to execute what they want to do with their with their literally their toys. And after like 125 issues, like Hama could probably do it in his sleep. He was like, "Yeah, sure, oh, yeah. whatever. Just give me, give me, throw whatever you want at me." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
He's in a giant spacesuit, except he's going to be underwater and yeah. shooting men made of garbage. Great. I'll what, make it work. What is really cool, though, is, um, like, he's still using... Like, not every character got a new design, so when they show up, they're still in, like, whatever the newest design was of the action figure, so it's almost like you're playing with the toys in a way. Because you have, like, a Heat Viper, which is from the late 80s, alongside a Laser Viper, which is from the early 90s. They never uh-huh. redesigned the Heat Viper, so he still looks like the late 80s version. <laughs> and, I, don't know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that... That was such an odd time, because I guess the toys weren't selling well again, right? They were going... There, there was a time around that time, I think, that they were going to discontinue the Joes altogether and just transition them into Street Fighter. Yeah, which... Yeah. Which they, they released a bunch of those uh, toys, but that was supposed to be... Yeah. A, an even greater and more dramatic shift well, than those, it became. Those Street Fighter figures came towards the tail end. Mm-hmm. I remember because um, I was I already liked X Men when those figures came out. So it was like ninety three, ninety four, and mm-hmm. GI Joe the three and three quarter inch GI Joe line didn't do many lines after that. Like, yeah, I feel like because like the Deke cartoon ran for two seasons in the early like ninety ninety one. Mm-hmm. So I imagine the toy lines around those, around those ish, those episodes had to be doing okay because there was a cartoon attached to it. But as soon as it ended, yeah, probably started going downhill. Which is also when I stopped reading the comic book. Yeah. Um, but it's also weird because like Andrew Wildman was the artist of X Men Adventures, which was my first Marvel comic book. Oh, that's right. So it was like a little bit of continuity. Yeah, he was all over the place. Where did he go? In the early 90s. Him and, um, him and Paul Ryan, where did they go? Well, I, I think I think Andrew Wildman is from the UK, and he wound up drawing the Transformers Regeneration 1 mini mm. for IDW for the last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they basically restarted... Uh, they restarted the book from 81... Because the book ended with 80 at Marvel, and they've gone to, I believe, 100 came out last month, and I think that's the final issue. Yeah, they did that with G.I. Joe, too. They got Hama to come back and start with 156. Yeah. Um, interesting. That's what I've been reading. I know you've been reading on Marvel Unlimited. Although this, yeah. is, my, this is my physical Marvel Unlimited, also known as my shelves. Right. Because uh, he... Wildman popped up on uh, an issue of Incredible Hulk that I was just reading recently. Oh, what year? Like before Transformers and GI Joe? Like no, no. This was this was after this was uh, this was ninety two. Oh wow! Right after the thirtieth anniversary issue. Oh, so it might have been in between X Men and GI Joe. Yeah. Hold up. Um. Yeah, for the most part, it's a lot looser. Maybe he was rushed on this issue. I remember never actually purchasing it because I was, like, Dale Keown's art was, like, I I would just stare at it for hours. I thought it was so good. And if there was an issue that came out that had a fill-in, I just absolutely did not even entertain picking it up. Oh, wow. 
Where the story, like, um... So I, I was so mad. Again, I was really mad, Brett, when all of the Image guys left those books. <laughs> I... I loved, I loved Peter David's Hulk. I was so mad when Dale Keown left because he was in that second wave of artists. Oh, yeah, yeah. That left, right? And I just felt like, oh, great. This was... This was the guy I thought that was still going to be around. He's not even finishing the story arc that he's drawing. I'm furious with this book, which isn't even the... Like, now, being an adult and looking back, like, it was the fault of nobody that was still on the book yeah. for me to punish them that the one dude left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I, I guess I'm glad, I'm lucky that I came into uh, the Marvel Universe after the Exodus... Like, oh, literally, in the in the aftermath. Yeah. Because my artists were, you know, Andy Kubert and Brandon Peterson and Greg Capullo. And not, right. and not the other guys. But I still, like, had all those back issues and did not even, like, connect any dots of, like, where'd all these artists go? I was like, oh, Jim Lee's really cool. Andy Kubert's <laughs> really cool, too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what is the... Is Jack Purvis the guy that was before Keown? Is that his name? Oh, uh, Jeff Purves. Purves, yeah. I don't think no, I like... I don't like... It was, uh, I don't think yeah, I like yeah you're right. It was Jeff Purves. He did, like, two years on the book. Because I was just for a Marvel article. Um, I was, like, going through some Hulk issues. And I was like, oh, this didn't age that well. Oh, uh, you don't like it? I don't know. It looks kind of... From my recollection, it looks kind of like Rugrats, right? It's <laughs> kind of like, like a Klasky Supo. Yeah, cartoon. like a kind of cla- like it's, I remember it was like very lumpy and liney. Well, right? he he uses fewer lines than I thought he did in my in my yeah. head looking back, because I I started I started with Peter David's first issue and I've been working my way forward and which was Todd McFarlane, right? Right. Yeah. Um. The the thing about Jeff Purves is he, I think he was a guy that came from animation and storyboarding. I think this is the only comic work that he's ever done. Oh, so he's probably a good storyteller. Yeah. Uh, the storytelling's interesting. The transition from, uh, from McFarlane to, uh, to Purves is interesting because it was also the departure of the editor at the time. Uh, Bob Harris was editing the book up until McFarlane left, and then Bobby Chase takes over the book, and she turned it into, you know, it was a dramatic shift. Now the Hulk is technically dead. He's the Hulk all the time, and for the first time in his life, he's wearing clothes and has a regular job, and he's the guy that has a life that he's built and a quote unquote friends and yeah. a career. And if Banner shows up, he's the one that could screw all that up for the Hulk. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting twist. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it's not just Jeff Perv's art. It's also the, the lettering is completely different in all of his books. Oh. Uh, in a weird way, like they start using a lot more cues and the sound effects, <laughs> which I thought was a fun, weird choice. Um, like smack, S M A Q. Yes, 
Absolutely. And it felt more like a pop art book than it did a superhero book whenever he was drawing it. Eventually, when they get away from Las Vegas and, like, spoiler alert, Joe Fixit gets fired from his job. And for the last portion of Jeff Perb's run as artist, he's they're, they're, they start to transition towards more traditional Hulk stories, mm. which is where the book winds up going before they merge all of the personas into the professor in 377. Man. I need to read. That's, I so many things I need to read. <laughs> so many things I need to read. I do have to say, like I've been obsessed with the Marvel Unlimited app lately, but I am frustrated with the random holes in the runs that they have. And I don't know, app. yeah, because I just hit one of those in Avengers because I'm reading the Bob Harris Steve Epting Avengers run right now, and I just hit one right after. Um, there's a three-part fill-in story with Lynn Kaminsky and M.C. Wyman about a weird hand-shaped eyeball demon thing. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I, I don't... Yeah, I, I, read, I went through that really fast. Um, and then there was immediately a hole, like issue 355. I don't know, like, did they just forget... Did they just forget to do those issues? Like, I don't know what the reasoning is on... Yeah that how that happens. I mean there's there's definitely still bugs in it too like I've found issues of books uh, that the pages weren't scanned in properly or the wrong cover is being yeah. displayed or like the thumbnail is incorrect a lot of stuff like that like it's definitely still buggy um, I hope that they're continuing to work on that stuff on the back end. I know. I would love. I keep wanting to ask if because I for my for my work I. Basically, like, a Marvel Unlimited is my office. <laughs> yeah. And so I always kind of come across problems like that every now and then. I'm wondering, like, should I be making a list of these? As, as someone who has worked in web development, I say 100% absolutely. Just like, this artist credit is wrong, this, this is wrong, you know. This yeah. Because I, I, I run across it all the time. I mean, technically, you should make part of a list and go to them and pitch yourself as QA. So that you could actually get paid to do it, but at the very least, uh, making those lists of things is how they find out what's wrong. Yeah, because I'm sure, I'm sure those are like, I mean, those are like just little mistakes that people have made, mm-hmm. or like over the years. They're not like you know, probably not purposely done. They didn't purposely credit the cover artist as the interior artist. I'm sure, you know, right? But it's some of that, and some of that too is like not realizing. Like, I'm sure there's some type of CMS involved with how those books are entered, and it may be that, you know, a field is displaying improperly on one yeah. page and displaying properly on others, and it's just a simple code fix. I remember... Oh, back now we're getting in into it. Like, 2008 or so, when there were all those uh, job listings for what I guess was this job. Yes. Um, like the basically comic book entering because I I don't know if I ever applied for one, but I remember like reading a bunch of job listings for this job. Uh huh. <clears throat> and I wouldn't mind doing that. Well, I think you know the people to contact. No. <laughs> it basically if it just means getting the rest of X Force on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Yeah, because there's um, there are holes in the Peter David run. 
as well, you wind up missing a couple of the issues immediately after he becomes the professor. And some of them, too, are in the middle of story arcs. That was something I didn't expect. I expected... uh, I, like, I expected it to happen if it was a one-off issue or something like that, right? But I, sh- I didn't expect to be missing part one of a four-part story. Yeah, so weird. Like, uh, they don't have issue 400 in that run on the app. And, and then I, uh, while I was, right before I left my apartment the other day, I realized, oh, I have never read Hulk Future Imperfect. So I queued that up, and it's a two-part uh, deluxe format miniseries, and they only have the first part on the uh, app. Uh. It's only two parts. Is the second part available to purchase in the digital store? That's a good question. I some, don't know. In some cases, I wonder if that's just like, you know, like, yeah, you get the first part for free, you have to buy the second part, figure out how it ends. Make two mm-hmm. bucks. They'll make two dollars. Yeah, except it's not free because I'm paying Marvel uh, a subscription yeah. fee per month. But you're also getting thousands of other comics. Yeah, it's called subsidizing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just saying, <laughs> guys, I'm paying you money. It's not... Uh, anyways. It's still like, it's a uh, amazing app. I mean... If there was something like the, if there was something like this for DC, maybe I would, I mean, I would probably be trying to read a lot more DC, but I there agree. isn't. So the fact that it exists is amazing, and also the fact that, I mean, I understand like Iron Man and all of them are their bread and butter now, but it does blow my mind that like mid '90s issues of Iron Man take precedence over, you know, Peter David's X Factor. <laughs> or yeah. or all of the run of X Men Volume Two. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Which is like just like nobody read or cared about those horrible mid nineties Iron Man issues. Oh, or man. Thor. That's, like those You would think that they would actually want to go out of their way to them. not make those available. They're so I mean just looking at the covers like they're crazy and I can't wait to read them because I'm sure they're amazing. But it definitely is just one of those things. It's like, man, you realize, like, it's, again, like, X-Men was the biggest comics in the 90s, and there's almost none of it on there because of, I'm assuming, movie studio stuff. Is it movie studio stuff, or is it old royalties issues? Oh, it could be old. It could be... I mean, I would imagine it's a mix of both. I mean, just... But, I, I yeah, royalties could make sense, too. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do, all I do know is that those guys apparently lived like rock stars off of that '90s money. Yeah, well, th- so does that mean that in their contracts, do you think that their royalties were a higher percentage than, like, the artists on Iron Man, or just because those books sold so much, their their same percentage got them more money? That's a good question. Because you know, it, I don't know if they have the same percentage, then then there wouldn't be a reason to keep them off of Marvel Unlimited because they'd still be making whatever they're paying to all the other artists if they're paying them anything at all. Right. It's not like, you know, unless they were like, no, we're renegotiating for 28%. I don't know any numbers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know any numbers. And those percentages are still in place today and they don't want to... But then again, like all of Uncanny X-Men is on Marvel Unlimited. 
Yeah, and that would be the one that would yeah, net like, probably the highest. A lot of Joe Matarero's stuff and a lot of Jim Lee's stuff is all on there. But not all of it. Yeah. Well, uh, you had asked me about the Incredible Hulk thing and are those issues with holes available. There are only 42 issues of the of Volume 1 of the Incredible Hulk available on Comixology. Oh, yeah. Which seems insane considering that that is one of their number one characters or properties, right? Yeah. And it's so spot <laughs> and almost all of them are just the Jeff Purves issues. So that... But that's where Marvel Limited comes in and is awesome because it has all the rest of them. Right, but then it doesn't have the rest of them. Does are there issues that Comicsology has that Marvel Limited doesn't have? No. Okay. And they've all has all of Peter David's run been reprinted in the last like ten years? Yeah, in those Masterworks editions. Because okay. it's also like they I mean they recolor every. This is the other crazy thing is like they've recolored every issue. <laughs> Every yeah, like all the wild. like ten thousand issues on Marvel Limited, they're all recolored to be the exact same colors as before, just you know more higher res. Yeah, higher res and like actually separating the colors so they're not bleeding over lines and stuff like that. I will say that um, I I saw a side by side comparison of uh, of some art like that recently on Tumblr and. Uh-huh. There is something to be said about the the texture that the newsprint adds to the colors that makes them seem more well-rounded and shaded and fuller. Absolutely. That when you just see the flat colors, it does look... It doesn't look... And again, I don't know if it's just because I grew up reading them on newsprint. They don't look as detailed or rich. They look just like flat. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's because I mean at that time they were coloring specifically for newsprint. Yeah, you know, and that's why that's why colors now look so much better because they're specifically coloring towards digital and print. Like the colors are being selected with the awareness of how they're going to be viewed. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean it happened then too. Because even, like, trades used to all be on, like, newspaper like, a little bit better, a little bit more firm than newspaper, but not glossy, not... Right. Because, um, like, my... It was from... just a thicker, like, a Baxter stock. Yeah. Baxter stock, man. It was Baxter all... stock, man. It's all flypaper. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, it's always on flypaper. Incredibly sticky. That's why, that's why trades didn't take off until the early 2000s. It's a big block. Yeah. I keep ripping everything in half. It's stuck in my hand. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's interesting. But it's also like I mean they have all those Hulk issues recolored because they've repent they've reprinted them and I would imagine they use the same files. The same file. Oh, they'd have to. So. I don't know. And there are then I wonder if um do you think like the issues that aren't on Marvel Unlimited might be the ones that are still in print or selling physically? And maybe they don't want to put them on Marvel Unlimited because, like, they're available and they want the they want people to buy these hardcovers they made. I don't know. Which could That's be the a case. Good I mean, with the thing like X Force, which almost none of it is on, like the first seven issues are on there, and then I don't think there's anything on there until like the Onslaught crossover, and then maybe Milligan and All Red's run. But they're all available in these amazing hardcovers that I own. 
Yeah. And they're still in print, I think. So, I wonder. I don't know. I, those... Some of those don't seem like something... That would sell? That, that would be the case. <laughs> yeah. I may be completely wrong, though. What do I know? Uh, who knows? There's no one we can get on the show that would answer our questions, either. Nope. Absolutely no one. <laughs> Not a single person. Um, summer's coming up. What comics are you looking forward to this summer? Oh, man. That's a great question. There's... I don't know that there's anything launching... <laughs> This summer that I'm super excited about. I'm really looking forward to the new Amazing Spider-Man status quo. Do you have a guess of as to what it'll be? I haven't finished Superior. I don't really care about spoilers, though. Um, our, our well, the final might? issue comes I... out this week of Superior. Okay. I think that... I think that something's going to happen with Pete's brain before Amazing Spider-Man issue one. Do you think they're gonna... I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be there, but I think it's he's going to have amnesia or something like that. Something ridiculous. I wonder if they would uh, give him amnesia from the time of Spider-Man 700 to Spider-Man 1. Like, he doesn't remember any of the Superior stuff. Oh, wow. Maybe. Which would probably that would be, be, that'd be yeah. for the best. I mean, that's, like, that's some harrowing stuff, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intense sort of... Uh, what makes a hero debate that happened within there. And then he would have to deal with the fallout of actions that were perpetrated by him, but not him. Yeah. Uh, isn't, um, rocket raccoon, rocket raccoons getting an ongoing series. Scotty young. Scotty uh, you're young. right. That is this summer. That'll be good. There's another character. Oh, Deathlock is getting a new series. Yeah. I don't know. Who is it by? Did they say, I don't recall I don't if they did say or not. Um, I'm. Uh, I would put money that there will be a Falcon series announced by the end of the summer. I'd hope so. I can't imagine why there wouldn't be. I'd hope so. He, uh, Sam Wilson was incredible as a supporting character in The Winter Soldier, and with the way that the mo- movie's been making money, I think they'd be fools not to at least try that. And the. You know, overwhelmingly positive response Anthony Mackie is getting for playing him. Right. Uh, which I, I can only imagine, like, a, a Falcon series has got to happen before. And he's never had an ongoing solo series. No, he has not. So this would do you be... Think, do you think that that was always supposed to be a limited series? <laughs> that Falcon series that we read? Uh, yeah. Yeah, did it say one of four on the cover of the first issue? It did. So I... I would imagine... So... It could have been one of those, like, you know, mini-series, and if it does well, we'll give you an ongoing type deals, but... I mean, I think it had to have been that, because... Like, look at the way the story was structured. Yeah. And... I, that, that's all I kept thinking during it. I was like, this feels like the beginning of a really good ongoing... Ugh, so... Yeah, I'm, I, would, I would... Very excited to read a Falcon book by the end of the summer. Yeah. Um, are you reading a Superman book? So are you going to read Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr.? I will give it a look for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fascinated by what John Romita Jr. is going to bring to the Superman universe. He's never drawn anything other than Marvel, right? Ever. Aside from 
like, Kick-Ass and the gray area for Image. Uh, and did he... He drew... Did he draw, like, a Batman versus Aliens or something? Or he, a... drew, he drew some of the DC Marvel crossovers in the early 90s. Yeah. But he never did... Like, I don't think he's ever been contracted by another major publisher to draw their properties. Yeah, I'll read that. And I'm still That's enjoying... I'm still enjoying Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter's... Uh, is that action com action comics? That's yeah. still great. So I mean, there could be a time at the end of the summer when I'm reading two ongoing uh, Superman books. They're building towards a doomsday story in that right now, right? Yes, and I'm not going to read it. <laughs> oh no! I'm going to read the action comics issues, but like I don't have I don't have the money to to read the the whole the whole crossover. I'm sorry, but I don't. I mean, what can Doomsday... Like, Doomsday as a character, I know that everyone loves the design and the idea is that, like, he killed Superman once. But when you come out of the gate and you kill the hero, like, that's that's starting really big. Yeah, can't top that. I don't... I, I, yeah, I don't know that there's ever been a Doomsday story that has heightened that. Has he ever killed Superman again? Because if he no. isn't, then he's not... Then they're not writing. Then I guess like they're not writing him correctly, because <laughs> it's already been established. Yeah. Hey, he can do that. So yeah. how did he stop him this time? I don't know. I've only ever read. Wasn't Doomsday a part of the Paul Cornell's Lex Luthor run? Was Doomsday a part of that? I think his corpse was. Okay, because I, I have vaguely um, read that. Lex Luthor had to steal something from it. Yeah. yeah, so I've read that. I don't know. Yeah, I liked I liked Death of Superman. I read that for the first time in like 2011. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a. I thought it was fun. Twenty years after the fact, that was a big, wild story, and you know, because time moves differently when you're a kid. Uh, looking back, I didn't realize that there wasn't that much build up towards that happen. That story happening. Yeah. Like in my head, I, I as a kid, I thought there was, because again, you have a different perception of time, but. <sighs> At the most, it was like two months of the final page of several different Superman books. Like, you just see a fist punching through solid steel until yeah. Doomsday eventually escapes, and then it launches the storyline. I just I just remember those uh, that feeling. It was like a very specific feeling I have of being... You know, ten years old in the summer, being excited about X Men crossovers. Yeah, that, that I I, just, I have a very I remember that feeling. I can feel it. Yeah. I can feel it right now, guys. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's just such a good, good, good feeling. Of course, it is because I'm still trying to still chasing it. Still <laughs> so chasing it. So many that years was, later. That was your high. But there is something I don't know. We had, we did a whole episode about like summer stuff, you know, two years ago. I remember. <laughs> uh, but there is like a very different feeling with comics in the summer. Maybe it's because everything feels better in the summer. I have a very, uh, <clears throat> have a very hyped up, anticipatory feeling towards summer every time that I feel it coming. Yeah. 
Well, it, it was because I think when we were kids, you know, well, one, the weather's great. It's always exciting when the weather clears up and yeah, you're we out, get to go outside out and enjoy the day. No school. Get to go to comic book shops whenever you want. Oh, man, whenever you want. Whenever your mom wants to take you. Yep. While she's going to the fabric store. Ah, uh, that's delightful. And I would most just of my most of my trips were, if I helped my mom clean a doctor's office, then I got to go to the comic shop. I used to. My mom used to clean houses for a living. And uh, I, if I helped her out, I would get trash, and then I would get five bucks, which five bucks was how much an X Men figure cost. Oh yeah. Which in my head. It's still to this day, I feel like $5 is the baseline price for an action figure, which that's not the case. I paid $30 for that boomerang. Not even close anymore, and I'm the same way. I still I think, think that... I think that your brain just associates that. Now we sound like the old folks. I know. Huh? Like when five, I was your age. $5 equals 5-inch five X-Men figure. That is yeah. what it was when I was a kid. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, and now it's it's about eleven dollars, nine to eleven dollars for a three and three quarter inch figure, and then twenty for a six inch. Wow. Which, oof. I mean, even Marvel Legends prices. I mean, when they started in Marvel Legends started in what two thousand four? About. I think so. Two thousand three, two thousand four. They were like retail for like what twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. Yeah. It was retail for those, I think. Oh, now there's so much money. But. Ah. Uh, I've woken up. <laughs> I'm awake. <coughs> oh, man. Mm. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel good this week, Brett. I feel like uh, I feel like after Winter Soldier, the anticipation of Spider-Man 2, um... Yeah. Just a, a lot of a lot of good actual comics on the horizon. We have con season coming up. Yeah, which we have to get ready for, figure out. Yeah, yeah, you're training, right? What? Yeah, well, you gotta no. train for con season, man. I guess no, I'm training. It's called walking to Target and Toys R Us <laughs> every day. I'm getting those I'm getting those um nerd goal oriented reps in. Hey, a goal is a goal, my friend. Jeez. Oh, I'm not going today, though, because I bid on a Black Widow figure on eBay. Brett. No, I'm not. I, I, my max bid is $26.99, which is, okay. their, is, which is like their retail price. Yeah, right, no, I think if you're going to bid over retail, why are you on eBay? <laughs> yeah. So, I, um, so, yeah, I mean, and there's six days left. That will get bought. That will get stolen from me. So... No. But I'm just going to wait until it sniped. does get, sniped. Does get You're stolen. You're going to get eBay sniped. Yeah. Because they're going for a lot of money. Um, uh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got a week of stuff to look forward to. And I got a day of stuff to look forward to. A day? A day. I got to do things today. What's on your plate? I don't I need to... I have to do an article about something. I can't remember. <laughs> I have to look it up. Ladies and gentlemen, we're peeling the curtain back. I have to do something. I don't have to get. I need to schedule an interview. Things. 
and I have to watch Mad Men, which I'll probably do before I do anything else. That's so. fair. I uh, speaking of watching stuff, I caught up on Shield last night. Um, feel like uh, feel like where they are with that show now is what needed to happen to give it a kick in the pants. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting drive to the end of the season. Um, very intense drive. Trying to remain yep. a little bit vague if people haven't caught up yet. But yeah, it's it's a, it's huge, and maybe the show should have debuted in January. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but because I it it does seem kind of you know like weird to be like yeah you're gonna do 17 episodes of setup and then your story is really gonna kick in and get crazy well you could have compressed those first 17 ish episodes into a really really tight best of the best six to eight maybe sure um sure and i i I can definitely agree with that but at the same time too I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of it from both sides. Uh, it wouldn't have meant... Like, everyone freaked out, right? But the the last episode, everything that happened in that last episode would have meant nothing if they would not have given us as much time as they did with these characters. I mean, I think it would have if... Uh... I mean, I wonder if, you know, six to eight A-plus five-star episodes would have done, like, earned more goodwill than 17 B-minus, you know, three-and-a-half-star episodes. Which is, which, I mean, I like the show, but the critique that I hear a lot is that people have stopped watching and they don't, you know, it's never been more than just, like, okay. And so I wonder if... If you had focused in like all the the storyline that spread over seventeen episodes into a really tight eight, if people would have yeah. gotten even more on board because the show was like more fast paced, you know, more I don't know. But there's also like that's not how ABC's TV seasons work for the most part. Like they they launch Shield as a very traditional like you know, fall to spring drama. Right. I will say I'm watching Scandal and I do like all the characters on Shield more than the ones on Scandal. Come at me, people. <laughs> I might be done with that show. Scandal. I'm halfway through season two, and I literally I despise, I despise and do not respect any character on that show, except for kind of Olivia Pope. <laughs> and that's only because Carrie Washington is a phenomenal actress, mm-hmm. and she's the only character that you're actually seeing have any type of moral issues with the things she's done. Whereas a lot of the other ones are just either. Poorly written, badly acted, or make horrible decisions. Wow. So, I don't know. Coming down hard. Whereas I like all the characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. except for Ward. You know. Interesting. Interesting choices, my friend. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm an iconoclast. (laughs) I don't know what that word means either. (laughs) Except in context. Yeah. I have no idea. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's about about it. Uh, I finished, I've polished off this bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is our 
This is our uh, fourth hour of Today Show episode. God, they're, yeah. We should do that sometime, actually. We should do, like, a live web stream episode of 8 in the morning drinking bottles of wine. With with guests with guests <laughs> with guests from the plaza. Yeah, yeah, we need a plaza. I have a back courtyard that we could just we could do the show from our balcony and then turn the webcam down to the to the back courtyard. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and then I don't know, have people down there reading comics? I don't know what the equivalent is. <laughs> Cosplaying like LARPing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everyone, uh, let us know how your uh, how your week's going. What you're looking forward to this summer? Yeah, yeah. Get at us. What's what's looking good for summer 2013? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can let us know by going to mattandbrettlovecomics.com, where you can leave comments on this episode or any past episode. Uh, you can tell us what you're looking forward to. Tell us what you're positive about. Yeah, don't tell us what you're not looking forward to because you're not looking forward to it. Yeah, we want to be excited. Yeah. Um, you also go uh, find us on iTunes and rate and review the show there. Uh, helps us out in a lot of ways. We, you know, we want more reviews, so give them to us now, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys are our best mouthpiece. So if you do like the show, please uh, tell your friends what you heard here today. Uh, stop children at the Toys R Us that are looking for Avengers toys and tell them to put them down and listen to what you have in your earbuds. Uh, um, not certain episodes. Maybe maybe take those kids back to your house and no. you know just let them listen to let a bunch them, of episodes let in them, a row. Tell them to let their mom know they'll be okay. Let them have the toys. If you are uh, if you are a hardcore collector and there is a kid holding a toy you want, let the kid have it. Wait, that's no, that's just understood, right? Isn't well, that just like people don't do that, do they? I used I worked for a company that, in order to <laughs> do buku bucks on Amazon at Christmas, went and bought out every kind. Like they they would they isolated the uh, top toys of the season, went to every Toys R Us in a tri-state area and bought all of them. And people would tell me stories about how they had buggies full of every one of a toy and parents would be like oh i wanted that for my kid it's like nope too bad corporation i used to work for needs to sell them on amazon for a profit that's That's, awful that's why that company is bad uh you can probably hear some of those entails we've told before yeah (laughs) some of those stories uh yeah if you like any if you like this check out some of our back issues (laughs) Uh, like, um, like when we talked to Mike Quackenbush about Falcon. Yeah. One through four. Still hot off the presses. You can check that out if you've just recently seen Captain America the Winter Soldier or the episode where we read the first five issues of Winter Soldier. With Chris Anka and Daphne Pleban. Or also our movie review. Our movie react, react to cushion. Yeah. I like that. Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um. And to hear to hear a react cushion done right, go back two years and listen to the Avengers one, because you'll still feel a jolt of excitement from that one. <laughs> I think that's it. As always, thanks to our producer Benjamin Peter Regib. Yes, indeed, uh, you are the six-inch premium figure to our three and three-quarters figures. Oh wow, you're hard to find. 
<laughs> but very worth it. Uh-huh, very hard to find. Going for a lot of money on Amazon. Third sellers, third party. Uh, yeah. Hooray! <laughs> we did it, you guys. Uh, I'm awake. Uh, so thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, please check us out next week. We'll have a new book club ep. Hot and fresh out the kitchen. <clears throat> this is the remix to Ignition. Oh, I'm not doing it right, Brett. Got it rolling, everybody. Uh, if you oh boy! If you have Thanks it. so much for listening. Until next time, this is Matt. Uh, and this is Brett. And we love comics. comics. And I have to find the Phoenix R. Kelly mashup. <laughs> <laughs>